right now for the podcast listeners only, we're offering $5 off each ticket purchased on Formula Drift website by using FD Podcast when you check out. That is FD Podcast. I don't know if you need to capital the FD, but try it either way. So head over to formuladrift.com, pick up the tickets, then enter code FD Podcast, get $5 off all eight events this year. It's our 20th season. Head over. If you're going, save five bucks. Might as well. All right, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to The Outer Zone, the official podcast of Formula Drift. My name is Jacob Gettens, and today we have Travis Reeder on, the man that desperately needs a new nickname. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Jared. <laughs> it's it's tough, man. I, I think it'll, it just has to come. I mean, I think the, the Walmart Reader thing is funny, but it just doesn't, it doesn't fit. I mean, if you worked at Walmart, I think it would fit, but obviously I don't think you do, so... Yeah, we tried to transition into uh, the speed reader. We get that one occasionally, but it hasn't yeah. really stuck as hard as uh, the the Walmart thing. But yeah, I don't know. I'm just rolling with it, man. It's not my job to create the nickname. That's fair. Like you, you leaned into it. Was it Seattle last year where like somebody brought you a vest? Yeah, I had a guy actually bring me a vest that I kept this year. Um, oh, okay. and he showed up and gave it to me, and it was like a legit associates vest, whatever. And um, it was kind of funny, but it was a six X. <laughs> so it's massive, like the the biggest vest I've ever seen in my entire life. But um, yeah, someone just brought one to me in Seattle and just said, here you go, you can have this and then just walked away. It's like, cool, cool. Yeah. Thanks, dude. <laughs> I, I think I think something will happen eventually. Something's like there'll be a moment or something said and then it'll just stick. Yeah. I mean, we can only hope. <laughs> yeah. Did you did you not have any like nicknames or anything as a kid that we could just like plug into Jared and be like, hey, let's let's just use this one instead? Not really. Nothing that no. I could really think of. Nope. I know, that's you, I know you kind of that's a good point. I, I was gonna say, I know you kind of look like Eddie Munster when you were a kid, so I wasn't sure if we could bring that up. <sighs> Dude, that's actually not the first time that I've heard that. <laughs> Where are you did there you find some like kids photo oh, buddy, or something? We, I, I went digging, don't worry. <laughs> oh my god, of course. Of course. You guys, yeah. I I feel like you guys should just know by now that like, I mean, I will say researching you was tough. You you have a very, you warned me that your social media history wasn't super deep. So it definitely took yeah. some like next level digging. Yeah. I also am really good at getting, uh, as soon as I get a memory on Facebook that yeah. pops up, I'll, <laughs> I'll check it. I'm like, Ooh, I don't want that part of me coming out. That was a long time ago and all erase stuff. Oh, that's not that why. it's bad. Okay. It's not that it's bad. It's just like, mm, Yep. Yeah. Don't want that to come to light. <laughs> yeah, there's there's yeah, no, that's fair. I mean, I think that's a that's gotta be a tricky spot for you guys. I mean, just going back like our gener you're what year were you? You were ninety two? Ninety-three, yeah. What year were you born? Ninety-three. Okay. So you and yeah. I are like similar, very similar in age. Like we grew up where like your high school memories and like even late public school, like that was all yeah. on the internet. So yeah. the way you acted, the things you said, you know, the person you were is all publicly available. Yeah, and that was like, uh, I don't know, MySpace came out and then Facebook just took off and everyone kind of transitioned and then everyone used it totally different than how they do now, it seems like. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, we were all very different people in high school. <laughs> so did, we tried did you to, have to uh, like, try to... I was going to say, did you have to like scrub? Like you said you delete memories and stuff like that, but like when you started kind of getting to that next level of, of fame, if you will... Did you kind of go back and be like, okay, I really need to like look at all of this and make sure that it's like tidy and ready to go? Oh, no, it's nothing like nothing too serious like that. Just more so um, 
there'd be some things I'd, I'd be like, why did I say that? And I'd start looking through and I'd be like, oh, okay. Like, why did I even share that with the world? Mm. Because we operated on social media so different in 2012, yeah. 2011, right? So I'm like, yep, that doesn't really need to be on there. I'm just going to erase that. But it was a lot of just just nonsense and what I was dealing with personally in life. And I would share that with the internet. Now I'm like, I kind of try to keep my personal life contained and then my drifting and all that kind of stuff stays public, obviously. But yeah. yeah. Have you, have you had like any of that crossover yet? Like where, you know, your, your personal life and like your drifting life, like start to overlap with each other or like things happen where you're, you're recognized more or like, I, I'm, I'm kind of curious because you've, you're, you're at this, I guess, stage in your career where you are, you're famous within the drifting community, right? Like if you go to a drift track, I'm sure people automatically know who you are. People walk up to you, talk to you, obviously at FD, everyone's there to see you guys. So that's, that's the case. But like, has it transitioned into normal life where you're doing something and someone comes like, holy shit, that's Travis Reader. Like, has that started to happen yet? It happens occasionally locally. Um, in kind of, the, I'm in the Vancouver, Portland area. Uh, yeah. So I'm probably two and a half hours south of Seattle, but there's a lot of tracks around here and I frequent them. So uh, Park, Spear Peaks, um, the track down in Medford, uh, there's the Seattle track we run. There's a few others that, that do events regularly and I try to drive as much as I can. So um, obviously people know who I am over there. But uh, occasionally around Vancouver, I'll get someone will come up to me, say I'm at, you know, Home Depot or an auto parts store or something, and they'll be like, "Oh, you're Travis. You you do drifting, right?" I'm like, "Yeah, yeah," and I'll you know talk to them about it. But it's nothing crazy. Obviously, I'm not like a huge local celebrity or something. Drifting's still kind of a niche, but it is it is thriving in the Pacific Northwest. But um, I definitely don't. I I stay under the radar still, I guess, mm. as you will. Yeah. Yeah, I I think we're at a point where like that won't be as easy as it used to be. Like, I think if if you know there's ever like a big Netflix documentary or like I feel like we're we're like one large publication away from yeah. all of that changing for all of you guys. We got to be close, and that's better. That's way better for the for the sport. I'm not saying that I'd be against that. Um, yeah, I think I think it's necessary for all of us to grow. I think a big push like that would be absolutely rad and. Yeah, like you said, I think it's coming, um, but it's just a matter of time. Yeah, I, I think it'd be cool. Like, are you, I know you, you, obviously you never got into it for any of like the fame side of things, but like, is there a part of you that is excited for that? Or are you, you I mean, you're pretty private, but like, what, what would that be like for you if, if overnight you became a household name? Like, how do you, I, guess, I, I mean, I guess it's tough because you don't know until it happens, right? Like, is that, is there any fear with yeah. that at all where you're like, holy shit, I might have to deal with this one day? I mean, no, I guess. <laughs> it, it does. I, don't, I don't really think about it like that. But also, yeah. I'm the kind of person where at FD events, I can, I love talking to everybody. I love the fans and I love socializing, but my social mm -hmm. battery runs out. That event drains my social battery for probably weeks later because I'm a very, I guess I'm kind of a, extroverted introvert like i'm yeah you can do it in I'm, bursts yeah i'm in bursts and i'm i'm talkative and you know like happy and i uh, have no problem like chatting up random people at the events all the time 
when I get home, sometimes it's just a couple of days where I just want to sit and talk to no one. So maybe if I if it got to a point where it was just an overwhelming amount of attention, it would probably bother me. But yeah. I mean, as of right now, I can handle most of it. I just got to recharge I, I a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, that's obviously super important is taking that time. I remember seeing, like it was like Adam LZ when he was in Pro 2 and we were, I was with Riley at the time and we were like pitted next to him and like the level mm-hmm. of fame that he was even at at that point in time, I was watching and like the dude could barely go to get a bite to eat or go get a drink or something. He was just swarmed. And I'm like, it's yeah. really cool to see that our fans are that ravenous. But then I saw him outside of an event and it was like similar where he was so quickly recognized and you could just kind of like, I was like, man, that's a lot. Like that's, that's gotta be tough. I mean, I know he's super appreciative of all the fans and it's awesome that like, that's the life he gets to live. But at the same time, it's like, that is, that's gotta be a lot. Like it's, oh, just, yeah. it's gotta be difficult. Yeah. I mean, hats off to those dudes that have to deal with that on a daily basis because they've, they've built this super rad brand around them, you know, yeah. and it's taken off and the popularity is killer and it lets them do what they do. But yeah, there's, I'm sure there's a point where it breaks you down to where you gotta have to, you have to hermit crab for a little bit because I'm sure it yeah. gets overwhelming. But I mean, it's kind of the name of the game, though. Yeah, it's it's the I mean the the trade off, right? Of like, if you want to be at this level, the trade off is that you lose a little of that that anonymity where you can't just disappear in a crowd anymore. But that's that's success with any any sport or any position, right? Is you're going to have that happen? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. So anyways, um, how's, uh, how's the season been for you? I mean, it's been, I know probably not your favorite one. Um, but it's, it's, is there, is there any like particular reason why the season's been going the way it has for you? I don't know. I knew, I just had kind of a gut feeling that a hard season was coming. It's been, I haven't, I'm not saying it's been smooth sailing for me, but I've, I've been pretty lucky as far as, how my growth has been from pro-am to now being yeah. it, it was kind of a quick it was kind of a quick thing for me because it was it was pro-am one year one pro-am and then went straight to pro two uh did got rookie of the year in pro two almost won pro two and then went to pro two again and then won the pro two season and then immediately jumped to pro and then I had some sort of progression throughout the four years of pro um, being last year being my best year finishing um, I think we we're seventh or eighth yeah finished yeah, really well 10. at the end of the year yeah so had a killer season obviously like winning an event and then this year has been uh, like a total struggle bus in a sense of the car's great and I've driven the best that I ever have when it comes to like my driving um, as far as fixing mistakes I used to make all the time, fixing mental battles that I've had, um, ad- adapting to other drivers, fixing my driving style, setting up the car better. Every, all of that has been leaps and bounds beyond what it was prior, but I've been making small mistakes and taking myself out with very small mistakes that have been super frustrating so I've gone out early in a lot of these comps, but I've gone out early in a battle that if I just hadn't have made that one tiny mistake, it would have been it would have been part of the highlight reel, in mm. my opinion. So it's 
I'm finding myself struggling to get that last 5% out of my driving now. And it, I'm working towards it, but it's getting tough because we're, we're really deep in the points this year, um, which is a bummer. And I understand everyone has bad seasons, but um, I do like obviously winning and not winning is uh, not as fun, (laughs) but yeah, it's been, it's been a little bit of a struggle, but you know, we'll push through it. Like everyone. Yeah, does. I mean, I think I think the attrition is like 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 you said, you've had a really I'm not saying like your run's coming to an end, but you've had a really, really good run basically since 2016 on. Like it has been mm-hmm. just building and building and building. Um, and I think this is that attrition that everybody has to face at some point. But you talk to all these guys that have those seasons and then they come out of it and they're like, Yeah, I learned so much about either myself or what I need to improve on or the team or the rig or whatever. And that often, you know, the seasons that come after that are, are usually the best ones. Yep. Yeah. And I, I, I try to, I try to see the positives in it. Right. Because the, the progression outside of just strictly our points and how we finished the progression on the back end within the team and the setup and my driving is is well worth it for me. Mm-hmm. And I see that. Uh, I just, I mean, I just got to pick up the rest of the puzzle pieces. So I'm, I'm confident that we can turn it around. It's just kind of, you know, I get frustrated. I'd like, I've been doing this for, you know, almost 12 years now and I'm confident in my driving. When I make a small mistake, I'm, I'm my biggest critic. So I'm really hard mm-hmm. on myself and my guys see that. But I figured if I didn't feel that way, then I shouldn't be here. That's a that's a solid point. Yeah, if you could just like slough it off and be like, yeah, yeah, we'll get them next time and not beat yourself up about it, I think maybe you're not passionate enough to be in the sport or at this level. Yeah. Am I a little too hard on myself sometimes? I'm sure Probably. I am. But that's, <laughs> I don't know. That's that's just my my job and my own internal battle. But um, I don't know. I watch over all of the events afterwards and I study what I did wrong and what I did good. And I try to focus on the things I did good and I try to push through that and keep those things going and just, you know, just pick up the slack in areas that I fell short. And mm. I don't know, I'm just stoked to stoked to get to Utah in a couple of weeks and drive a track that's flat out and fast and kind of a equalizer for everyone's cars because not a lot of people can make a lot of horsepower at elevation. And um, I like that style of track. My car does good there. So it should be a good yeah. time. Yeah, you and I have talked about it a couple of times in, in car setups that like you are very much a fan of dialing in a lot of grip and just like letting the car go. And like that's that's the style you like to drive in and the kind of the more technical, like the St. Louis isn't quite what your driving style or setup is is there for. Yeah. <laughs> do we do we want to get into St. Louis right now? We can if you want. Like I'm uh, I mean, hey, you brought it up. <laughs> yeah. Uh I mean, I don't think anyone likes driving St. Louis. Uh, I I think Kazuya Taguchi does. I think I think the guys yeah. that come from technical backgrounds do. I think the Japanese drivers do really well there because it is reminiscent yeah, of true. that style of driving. It is, but I do think tracks. that. Yeah, I mean, I would think there are some people considering you and Chelsea's history at like Pat's Acres that maybe, but that's a, that is also a similar but very different because it's not a. Uh, technical that you then have to try and launch your car out of to then get technical again, right? Pats yeah. is technical, but flowy pack, like technical. Yeah. So. Park flows way better than St. Louis. <laughs> Forwards, 100%. backwards, through the cutouts, everything. 
A hundred percent. I don't think St. Louis is in the perfect state yet. And I think the biggest issue personally is that we came from a St. Louis layout that was phenomenal. And then we yeah. moved to this, right? It, it's one of the, it's like, for me, it's like turkey bacon. So <laughs> if, if you weren't, if you were to call turkey bacon something other than bacon, it's really good. But the moment you call it bacon, I now compare it to normal bacon and it's shit. It's not real bacon. It's yeah. not real bacon. If you just called it like turkey strips, I'd be like, yes, these are great. But you called it bacon. <laughs> and in, in the scheme of bacon, it sucks. <laughs> St. Louis is similar. We saw what that track layout was. We yeah. ran it. Well, I mean, you guys ran it. I didn't do shit. Um, <laughs> and then they gave us this other layout, which is very different. It just happens to be at the same place. And yeah. then everybody continuously compares it. And that was what, four years ago that we ran that layout? It was like yeah. our car, our the pro cars now on that layout would be insane. Be, it would be, yeah, be scary. Absolutely insane. You'd have to shorten the course too because tires wouldn't last. That They that didn't last back fit. then either. It's pretty rough there. We yeah. were making it work. I, obviously, I was in Pro 2 when we ran that layout, but... Um, but you guys even struggled on the on the on those. You were on Achilles back then too, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I remember they moved the finish line Nitto, back, or Achilles and Nexon. Nexon, yeah. yeah, yeah. They moved yeah. the finish line back because guys were like literally blowing tires and on cords as they were coming across the line. Yeah, yeah. I understand. That's that's a tough part, but you could also just shut it down a little earlier. I don't know. We would probably go through that course. I would say probably. May, probably two or two seconds, two whole seconds, probably faster than we used to. The cars wow. are so gnarly now. Yeah. I don't know. It would, it would it'd be a lot of fun, but I, obviously it's it's not going to happen. So, I mean, we can just keep talking about it. Maybe it'll happen <laughs> in, the, in the same way that I've been talking about running Utah backwards since last just year, keep, and hopefully just keep complaining. Listens. Yeah, <laughs> someone's got to listen eventually. <laughs> <laughs> right, I know. Uh, so you, you really you really don't like the the St. Louis layout, even with the extended width and what they've added to it. I think the extend the extension made the drive the drive through turn two better, but it made mm. the last turn worse because okay. now because now you can drive now you could drive out of it would have been outer zone two. You can drive out of outer zone two with more speed. And then you get into outer zone three wider and carry more speed. And then all of a sudden, you ha we have more momentum and less track to get the car slowed down, transitioned, set, and then back on throttle for the last turn. So I think it made the collision point of the last turn worse than it used to be. Ah, so it basically, I think it just made, it made one aspect a little better, but you fell short on the other end because th this is just my 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 grand theory of this is of how <laughs> professional drift tracks have have to run is you cannot go from you cannot go from fast to slow to fast again it okay. just it can't work you can go fast stay fast and slow down or fast and maintain fast or fast to slow to slow to slow again just like how seattle is you can do yeah. that but you can never once you put us in a position where the cars have to dig out of a slower turn, create a bunch of momentum, and then immediately slow down again, you create tons of collision points. And it doesn't flow, and then it makes the tandem way worse. So, I mean, my only argument would be Atlanta, but that is fast to slow to fast without another slowdown at the end, right? But, it's, but you also are going downhill, and you can carry 
a decent amount of momentum yeah. to the keyhole if you do it right. Yeah, it, it's if you do it if you drive the keyhole how you're supposed to and you're on the wide line, you mm-hmm. kind of you maintain. There's no like abrupt slowing off throttle float transition nonsense. Okay. Like granted, I do think I do think this year that our cars outgrew Atlanta in Ooh. sense of speed because I didn't okay. see a single good run up the hill, but we can get in that later. Um, <laughs> it the just the any position where you get these cars all wound up and you get two cars, you get a car rolling out and then a car mm. chopping to try to catch them to keep proximity, mm. and you get both that all that momentum going with the two cars and it's almost a catch up game no matter what. And then you get that lead car having to slow down and transition and reset. And there's so many variables and so many things that lead car has to do. The chase car wanting to push and win the event or win the battle or whatever is going to do everything in their power to try to stay close. But you cannot predict what the car is doing because the lead car is struggling to get slowed down and get the direction changed and get set and do what the judges want and be on the right part of the track. It makes it so, it makes so many things have to happen in such a small amount of time. You get the hit. Every time, I yeah okay that's that's fair. I think that's and fair. Then, I mean, and then it becomes it becomes the person that wins is whoever made the least amount of mistakes or crashed less, right? See what I mean? So it ends up the competition ends up being falling on not necessarily driver skill, but on the the less of two evils. In my opinion, yeah. Yeah, I, I I think that's a valid point. I think I would my my only devil's advocate back is like at the end of the day, we need to do what's best for the fans. But I also understand that that argument can be rebutted mm. with, well, if the drivers can do well, that's better for the fans. I mean, in my opinion, the best for the fans is good tandem. Why do that's I show fair. to a drift event? I want the tan like I right. drive FD because I want to drive as close as I possibly can to the fastest and best drivers in the world, and I feel like. 99% of the fans want to see that. Yeah. So if they could show up and just see a crash fest and it's the finals and it's a one more time because there was a collision and some technicality and it wasn't like a burn the block down battle that was just absolutely sick, I feel like the event didn't end right. And I feel yeah. like we can make positive changes to... I feel like it's easy to make changes to work towards that. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I would, I would love to see what else could be done in St. Louis to to make that happen? I don't know what the track is willing to do or what FD is willing to do to yeah. to change that. Um but yeah, that's that's interesting. It's yeah. it's I'm not I'm not going to like disagree with your take cuz I do agree with it. No, I mean I talked to all my friends about this and other FD drivers and Kevin and a lot of like I I have this conversation a lot. It's kind of like I wouldn't call it a passion project of mine, but I'm like, I'm very, I'm very invested in this because I just, I love drifting so much and I just yeah. want it to go in the right direction. And, um, like the track layout thing for me is huge in yeah. how the event plays out and how the show runs. But like I said, we all have to deal with it. We all have to drive the same track, but if we could work all, if we work together, to create the best track layout possible, then that I feel like just progresses. Sport. Makes, yeah, makes a better show. I think mm-hmm. I think something you've highlighted here, maybe unintentionally, is like the amount of continuous discussion about improving the sport that happens like with everyone. 
Like oh, very yeah. rarely am I at FD and I'm not talking about how to make the trend, how to make it better. Like it's not, Yeah. very rarely is it actual complaining where people are like, oh, this is dumb. It's almost always like, I don't like this, but here's what we could do to make it better. It's not, mm-hmm. it's not like highlighting problems. It's just always trying to provide other solutions. Yeah, yeah of course. You know? I talk to a lot of people that they think that they think that FD that FD like screws us drivers or something. Right. Right. And they're like, oh, why why did how do you deal with FD doing that to you? And I'm like, doing what to us? What do you mean? Yeah. We if if people knew the conversations behind the scenes of people involved with FD, it would totally change their perspective because I the fact that all of us have constant conversations about how to improve this stuff is very important. And mm-hmm. people don't see that. They don't see that, yeah, okay, we have an issue with St. Louis, right? But FD and the track of St. Louis have been actively trying to trying to make it better to the best of their ability for the past few years. And people don't yep. see that. And granted, it's still not the best in a lot of people's eyes, but at least there's some sort of effort to improve. And that's all we can ask for. And that's why, and the FD is great about doing that and taking into consideration what we want and making changes based on what we want. If we come to, come to some sort of conclusion collectively as drivers or workers or whatever within the organization, they're good about helping us evolve it in the right direction. I, and I think that extends to almost every level of drifting. I mean, oh, there's, there's, I mean, this will never end, but there's always that continuous discussion about judging where it's like, oh, yeah. the, you know, do, do this. And like, I think no matter who you ask, there's going to be people who are like, yeah, they made a bad call here. They made great calls here. Oh, there's no consistency. Oh, there's that. Like, as someone who has spent significantly more time up with the judges this year than obviously I ever have, my perspective changed so quickly. But the biggest difference is the same thing. The continual conversation between not just the judges, but like judges, spotters, track staff, drivers, like even, even you've, you know, you'll, you'll spend time if, if the battle ends quickly or your day's over sooner, you're up in the stands and oftentimes like chatting with different people and being like, Hey, what Mm -hmm. about this thing or that thing going on? Like it's, it's always developing. And I think what person, what I think the issue is there's not enough transparency between those conversations and the general public, right? Yeah. Uh, that, that, that's something that I think needs to be fixed is, is there has to be more communication in some way between what's happening behind the scenes and what people are seeing in, in the general public. Or, I mean, I would even love to see parts of driver's meetings uh, open to the public. Mm-hmm. Like, absolutely. You know, in some regard, even if it's just like a transcript of notes, so that way like the diehard people who are really, really entrenched in in drifting can go through them and be like, oh, that's why this thing happened. They're weighing outer zone one 40%. And if you make one small mistake there, that's why you can do everything else fine, but you still lose the battle. Like mm-hmm. that's the information I think a lot of people are missing. But then that satisfies what, 5%, 10% of the of the people online? Yeah. <laughs> like, I right? mean, that falls into what you're talking about earlier though. Like if like we're one publication away from blowing up that yeah. falls into that because that, that exposure, f- I'm, I'm assuming you're talking about like uh, 
series similar to like the Drive to Survive Drive stuff to survive. or the, yeah. the one they yeah. did with Something. the have you seen the one yeah. they did with golf too? Yeah, I haven't a, watched it, but it's like everyone's swing, like swing, I think. So yeah, yeah, swing for it or something, swing it. Something. Yeah. Sa- yeah. Same exact same exact layout, and it's super good. I recently started golfing occasionally. I, my dad's super into golf and I have ah. some friends that do, but so I started watching that. I'm like, oh, this is no different. But it's mm-hmm. really good because it highlights not necessarily it does highlight a lot of the drama, but it highlights a lot of stuff in the background that happens that no one sees. And the stuff we were just talking about would be showcased in that mm-hmm. series for the series to for the series to be good. You know what I mean? It has to be. Like that yeah. that's what would make it compelling is like those discussions, those like however you could do it. I mean, I I I'm I would love to find a way that we could just make it happen now, but obviously that's like everybody would. But mm-hmm. I mean, I, I've, I've, I've talked about like, can we just put like a recorder up with the judges? And it's like, well, you know, we could, we could do this. And like, there's also things, it would have to be heavily redacted as well. Cause like, that's, yeah. that's the hard part is like, there's a lot of just like shooting the shit conversation that you have to pull out of that. Right. Parts yeah. that make that booth fun. Right. Yeah. Of like, you know, just hanging out. Um, and similar with you guys having conversations with FD staff, it's like 50% technical, let's talk about drifting, and then 50% of just like, hey, what are you up to this weekend? And just like generally shooting yeah. shit. Yeah, so. yeah. It, is a, it is a big family at the end oh, of the yeah. day, you know? FD's yeah. not, not as big of a, not as big of a company as people no. think, you know? So no. it's more of a small family, even with us drivers and teams involved. But yeah. Yeah, I don't know. One day, I think it. I think it's. I mean, I think it'll happen. I'm going to keep trying to push and do something. I don't know. We've we've talked about doing a a judges roundtable uh, at yeah. the end of an event to talk about the battles that are uh, controversial or that people don't understand or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe we'll make that happen in Utah. Yeah, I mean, more. I feel like more of the Kevin's Corner type stuff. Yes, that stuff does super good. I, I wish that it. I wish that we could put a I wish we put a GoPro on Andy's chest for the weekend. On Andy Luck? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I wish. I wish they would do that. That would be so good. There would be yeah. I I'd be so curious how much stuff they'd have to cut out. But yeah. No, that's yeah. the thing. Don't cut it out. Yeah. I mean, I think Kevin's cam like has caught I don't want to get into specifics, but it's caught people in some moments that are not very flattering either. For sure. Uh obviously, like, yeah, you don't want to make anyone look Ah, a certain yeah. way, but but I don't know. It just that kind of content is gold, in my yeah. opinion, and I feel like more of that is the more the better. You should. I mean, that you could you could just start that trend. Just wear a GoPro all day and see what what comes of yeah, it. Just a chess cam. Yeah. Do nothing else other than walk around with a chess cam. I think it'd be interesting. It'd be it'd be cool to see more of like how the the teams work. Like I know you've got two new guys this year. Like I would love to understand how the team's dynamic progresses from say Long Beach to now, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Where like I don't I don't know I don't know like what that whole dynamic's like currently, but like I'm sure your trust in them has increased and what you're able to not communicate to them has has gotten better. Where it's just like, yeah. you know, you are you should already know by round three, if I ask for this, this is how this happens. Like mm-hmm. I would love to see how that operates. Yeah, the progression within the team is always something we focus on as well and trying to make everything more efficient. And yeah, like you said, with me having two new guys this year, it's uh, it's definitely been a learning curve for them. 
uh, one of the guys came from another pro team, so kind of like yeah. knew the ropes. Um, but the other was pretty fresh to it and um, ends up being one of those things where they get in the groove and then everyone gets more comfortable with each other and it starts to roll well. But uh, plus I saw, I have Matt, um, my crew chief knows the in and outs. He's been with me forever. So he can kind of guide those guys too, so that I don't have to put as much mm -hmm. into it because Matt knows how everything runs. So he can kind of guide them in a direction. If it's something that he doesn't know, he can come to me. So that's a dope dynamic to have as well. Yeah, you got to have a, a keystone guy, right? You have to like to, to completely refresh a team from top to bottom would be so tough. But like having one OG oh, yeah. that's there that that already knows the ropes and knows what you're going to ask for or how things should be set up is is pretty crucial. It's like, it, I mean, I always grew up with two dogs. We'd have an old dog and a young dog. Young dog. Mm -hmm. And then like when the older dog would pass away, they would just, you know, the young dog now is the old dog. You can get a puppy. And it's like, it was yeah. faster to train them that way because <laughs> it yeah. just half the training would happen internally. Yeah, or or they learn bad habits that much faster because they watch that was also do the stuff. That was also an issue. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just like yeah. you're chasing deer. We're like, cool. Right. Both of our dogs are gone, you know, hunting some hunting some buck in the field. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully there's no bad habits on on your end of things, but oh no, no. Not, yeah. Nothing like that. It's all good. That's good. So I got I want to um I want to dig into like your Ability to be a pillar in everything that is RTR rumors. I feel like no matter what is happening within RTR, your name immediately gets pulled up as like, the new driver is going to be Travis Reeder. Like, I personally would love yeah. to see you in an RTR car. I think that'd be incredible. I think it'd be so funny because everyone always expected it. And then we'd be like, oh, it can't be Travis. Like, it's never Travis. And then all of a sudden it is you one day. Um, how did, how did that relationship even start? Cause like, it doesn't, I feel like maybe it's a Chelsea thing, but I don't, I don't know. It, that, that relationship obviously stemmed through a lot of it has been through Chelsea, but, um, I've talked to Vaughn quite a bit ever since, you know, I've been in, got into pro two, I always said hi in passing and then, um, got like I, all the guys on the team I talked to often like all the guys in the RTR camp are awesome and Chelsea has definitely done well in helping me out I'm, I'm very vocal about the fact that Chelsea has definitely like been a key part of my success in the last few years helping me with a lot of things in the background um it's a super good friend of mine so he has definitely teed up a lot of things for me in a sense of just uh, doing some gigs with RTR, driving some demos, um, doing stuff like that. So I think people just assume that mm. since uh, I, I do extracurriculars with RTR or through RTR and a lot of stuff with Chelsea that it makes sense. But there's a lot of other aspects of it in the background that, um, that have to be there. And um, those ones are unfortunately the more difficult ones to achieve. Um, so I hate to, <laughs> I hate to <laughs> burst everyone's bubble, but it, in the foreseeable future, there's not a, uh, there's not a, a position where I would be driving for RTR. I don't think yeah. I won't, I won't say never, but, um, as of right now, there's no plan for that, but it's, it's a huge financial commitment. I think that's the part that people don't realize that like, yeah. it's not a, it's not a 
invite and you get to go drive a car like there's there's a lot of moving parts to that there's a lot of partners yeah. there's there's a lot to oh it. yeah yep in the end there's the business side of it that's very important there's the marketing side of it that's even more important and yeah. uh the driving the driving skill is almost like a bonus in the grand scheme of things mm-hmm. to make the to make a program like that operate well like obviously they want good drivers in the cars but um you also want um, you also want marketable drivers that are easy to help promote the brand and bring a lot of values to the higher level partners that they have. So it's not saying like, that I can do that in the long run. Yeah. I'm just saying like, you know what I mean? The, the driving ability is like, team. oh, it's huge. It's gigantic. Um, yeah. yeah the, the driving ability is like signing your name at the top of the document. Like, yes, you that needs to just be there no, no matter mm-hmm. who you are. But then yeah. it's all the other things on the resume that that are what need to happen in order to get that role. And yep. yeah, I think the bar just keeps getting raised now that you've got, you know, Adam Elzey, who's arguably the most marketable driver, and then James Dean, who is arguably the greatest driver of all time. I mean, I, there's not many people you could throw. I mean, there's a few, obviously, like an Osbo or... A, yeah, there's not many people that are at mm-hmm. that James Dean level. Although it has been interesting to see him kind of grounded in that car. Like, I know he's still, he's like, what, fourth in the points right now or something? But like, to see him not run away with a championship or not be at the top of the championship has been kind of refreshing. (laughs) In like, I don't mean it to be like mean, but like, it's nice to see him fight for that now and not just walk away with it. Well, those cars are not like any other car to drive. There's no, no car on the grid that drives similar to those cars. And him coming from an S chassis, you couldn't have a you couldn't really have a car that's any different, mm. like any more different to drive, I think, than those Mustangs, especially when they get all hooked up and and super gnarly. It's kind of one of those things where it's it's gonna be a steep learning curve, I feel like, for anyone that hasn't started driving those cars. Right. Like that didn't start driving those from, from day one. You know what I mean? So, but not to say they're not good. Obviously the cars are fast. It's just definitely yeah. a very different driving style that is a lot of adaptation from a driver if you didn't come from that. Mm. So. They, they, they seem very dynamic. Like they're, they're constantly changing when they're on and off power. Like not that they're not predictable, but it's just that there, there's so many variables always going on with that car is, yeah. is what they look like. You know, when they get on power, they do something very different to when they get off power. Um, yeah, the cars are very aggressive in the setup. So they react yeah. They react very obviously to your inputs, whether it be throttle or steering. They seem, yeah. to, do, they seem to do something very quick and very aggressive when they're, they're just not forgiving. They're not yeah, forgiving yeah. whatsoever. Yeah. Well, none but, of these cars really are. To that's be a honest. good point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But those ones might may, might be a little less forgiving depending on who's driving them. I so. would love to see just like somebody who is maybe a grassroots level drifter, like somebody who just goes out and rips like a a mostly stock BMW or something, then just throw them in a pro FD car and be like, can you even put this sideways? Like, could, can mm-hmm. you even get it to hold drift through a corner? Are you able to? Because of how gripped up these things are, how you know how ridiculous they are. If if you could do that, yeah, I have. I have a couple of friends that I feel like, like just local grassroots guys that 
I drive with regularly that I feel like in the right position could definitely wheel an FD car, but mm-hmm. they obviously never wanted to get into competition or never grew like that. But guys that I, f- I felt like at one point could definitely outwheel me. And I've wanted to put them in my car just to see, just so they could experience it. Cause they always ask me questions about it and I always talk about yeah. it. And I drive with them all the time and they rip and I, I've just never had the chance to, or maybe had the balls to, yeah. <laughs> to put them in my car. But I would love to see, there's a couple like local drivers that are homies of mine. I would love to see them try to drive my car when I just put it at 11 out of 10. Mm. Just go to a track, maybe something open, but put all the grip in it that I possibly can make it as gnarly as I go. possibly can and be like, here, drift this. And just see what they say. What's what they talk about with F1? They're like, most people wouldn't have the balls to get the car fast enough to actually get the downforce to work the way it should. Like yeah. if you were to take just like, you know, some guy that maybe only races Miatas and puts them in, mm-hmm. a, or you or I put them in an F1 car, like we, I, actually you probably would, I, I know I wouldn't, wouldn't have the ability to get the car fast enough to even make the ground effect work properly. Like you, yeah. like you, you can't comprehend how fast you can take a corner. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, the that's such the rate of decline with those cars is so yeah. crazy that you can like oh if you drive through this corner at 100 miles an hour it's just going to push and you're just going to yeah. understeer off the track but if you drive through at 160 it's stuck and you're like yeah how does that even make sense or you wouldn't but, keep the tires warm enough like you you couldn't yeah. put enough you wouldn't know how to put enough g force into the car to keep the tires hot mm-hmm. yeah. yeah that stuff's yeah. so cool to me i know it's so nice. so I, rad I've driven, like, I've never driven at that level. I've been in the passenger seat of enough even pro-level cars now where I'm like, yeah, I'm good. Like, you guys keep having fun. Uh, I'm all right. I'm just going to stick with my terrible drift cars. <laughs> Enjoy your time in these because they are such a handful. Like, it's, it's yeah. wild. Absolutely I, wild. I wish that during, like, Thursday practices, I wish that more of, I wish that more of the judges would ride in the cars. Because mm. we had a rule a while back where the passenger footwell has to be open. Yeah. To accept to accept ride-alongs from officials and judges, but no one gets in cars. And I don't know if they're scared to or if they don't care to, but I, I would love to put I would love to put a judge in my car, like at Seattle, in the chase position. Ah. And tuck in the pocket in the smoke against like, the sun, against the wall. Say. <laughs> and put them in and all the sketchiest scenario that we deal with on a regular basis and just have them experience that because I feel like it would way better help them judge scenarios. I had heard that there was some pushback from some drivers and it became more of a hassle than it was worth. That was what I had heard. Yeah. Yeah. But I heard, I I heard mean, that, that sounds too. Like, that sounds like an open invitation. Yeah. Yeah, get over that. Just like, it just make it a mandate where it's like like as shitty as it is, just be like, no, if you are requested, the next lap that you go out, you have to do it. And that's it. And if not, there's a a points penalty or a financial penalty, or cool, you yeah. lose part of practice that day. Or we're not gonna the other one that I would say is like we're not if you have a passenger, we're not gonna count that towards your lap count for the that, day. That that would be the best <clears throat> way to do it. You can't obviously you can't force anyone to do anything, but and there's like a, a driver that really didn't want to take someone could come up with a thousand excuses as to why they don't want to, whether it be a safety thing or an insurance thing or a weight balance thing or a data, you know, they could come it up would, with a million different reasons. But if you yeah. told us, you, I, I want you to make this lap 
but it won't count towards your 12. Yeah. You know? And I feel like most of the drivers would be like, yeah, sure, no problem. But also, the times that they have ridden with us, it's single laps only. And you only get so... Like, you can do lead runs all day, but getting them in the passenger seat of a car in the chase position is where I feel like they're really lacking that experience because that is like the full package. Hmm. All right, let's do it. Let's make it happen. Yeah. Dude, put anyone in my car at Utah, please. I've I've often like talked about I wish I wish the runs were longer because I think it'd be hilarious to do like a podcast like this while driving to see if one I could keep my shit together <laughs> to ask the questions. <laughs> yeah. And hey, see we if have you guys of, could we have a yeah. ton of practice at Utah. Jump in my car. Maybe. I uh, maybe. why maybe? <laughs> There's no I'm, walls I'm, to hit. If, I'm if a I terrible a wall, passenger. I'm a terrible passenger. But okay. All right. If we can if we it's can like make it happen. Seconds. Let's well, do it. Let's, mic you up, I have whatever. To, I have to ask like a really quick question that's going to throw you off. Like I, I, I have to think of the perfect question to ask that I can ask quickly as we're leaving the line. But okay. you have to think really hard about while still driving. I think that would be cool. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. That means I'm going to save one from my list. Of Let's like, do it. Okay, it doesn't. It doesn't matter to me because one, my car is underpowered, and two, <laughs> it's. 150 pounds overweight, so it can't really get any worse putting a passenger in it. Uh, you're gonna I'm put already a, 200, 210 pounds over that weight again. So <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm already at a deficit. So let's make right. some laps. <laughs> all right, all right. I, <laughs> I, I I I'm gonna send this off to Kevin and be like, hey, um, I need a helmet, a Hans, and a race yeah. race suit I, ready to go. I for have it. a I have a suit, I have a suit and a helmet, and I have a suit, okay. a helmet, and some shoes. If you have a Hans, it'll clip into that other helmet. I have everything. All right, else. we're and we're relatively. You're a little slimmer than I am, but we're close to the same size. So that should yeah. work. I got uh, armor strengths. Often, I, I think I have a mic setup that we can use too. I'll maybe I'll bring like my big suction mount so I can All like right. get a full size camera on there too, and then we can we can do something. Sounds good. Let's do it Wednesday. All right, cool. So we have Wednesday practice. <laughs> I'll be it's there. Like five five hours. I'll be there. Of Wednesday All right. practice. If we can clear this, let's make that happen. That's sick. I don't see why not. Kevin rode in cars <sighs> at Seattle. He rode with like yeah, three that's or four a good guys. Point. That's yeah. a good point. All right. That'd be a good promo. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, gotta, oh, I will yeah. say my passenger seat is very big. Is it? All right. So you might be kind of, you know. That's fine. But whatever. I'm a tight, I'm a tight belts guy too, though. Like I'm very much oh, okay. a, like I take in a deep breath and then I go as hard as I can. And then all I'm right. like, okay, this is all the room that I need. So we'll perfect. Right. Yeah. I like to wiggle around. I have no. Really? I have, I'm just like, I have no regard you're, for my personal safety. I mean, you're, you're a little weird in that regard too, because you're still a pull up style handbrake, which I've always wondered because you've run that and I, I have a theory that it's like people who started with BMWs are pull-up handbrakes as opposed to verticals. But I started with Do S th- chassis. Oh, you're right. Never mind. There goes that theory. Yeah. Damn. But S13s always had pull-ups and I always use okay. the fact, I, I had a pullback in the S13 for a couple of years I changed. I went back. Huh. Mm-hmm. Is there, what's the preference there? Because like, it's a slower time to transfer to the wheel, but it's, potentially faster from the shifter? Like, does any of that go through your head? It just depends on where you place it. It can be the same speed. I just prefer to have it down at my hip than have it up at the wheel. Hmm. It feels, I don't know. To me, it feels the car reacts differently. Like the, the feeling of the car engaging the handbrake when I'm pulling up on it is different from when I'm pulling back on it. It changes how, it changes how my body perceives the rear tires locking up based on where I'm pulling from. I don't know. It's really weird. I just huh. prefer to come up from the floor. 
So I just like always have been like that. Huh. I think, I, there's, only, I, I think there's only three of us. Are you, Chelsea, and... Oh, man, I'm really thinking now. Who else had a... Someone else had a lay down. I'm literally going through like the entire driver's list in my head and like, okay, how many in-cars have I watched over the years? Yeah. I feel like it'd be like an obscure one. Like it might yeah. be like um, like a Higa. No, Higa's got a vertical. Man, I don't know. I know it's I'll you and to, Chelsea. Yeah, I'm, I'll, I'll walk through the pits in Utah and find, we'll do the horizontal handbrake game. <laughs> That'd be good. That'd be good yeah. content. I'd be surprised if we got over five. I, I've honestly. had this like really obscure thought. I've, I've been like slowly questioning people, but I've never brought it up on the show, which is, um, okay, weird question. Did you have cats growing up? Mm, not, there was cats in the house, but it wasn't like I was into cats. Okay, okay, but like- I'm not had, a cat person. Were they I, indoor cats? Yeah. Okay, so I've you always had been like a, a, I've always been yeah. around cats, but I'm a dog person 150%. Okay. Do you and know what? Not- do you know what ta- toxoplasmosis is? <laughs> no. Do you, do you know? Okay. So, side <laughs> tangent here. I feel. I feel like if there's anybody I could bring this up with, it's you. I okay, don't know why. Okay. Okay. So there is a thing called toxoplasmosis, which is a disease that comes through cat feces, and when it infects mice, it causes them to lose inhibition. So, like mice become very reckless, and the idea <laughs> is that it's and it's a parasite. That's like a brain parasite. So okay. that way, these these mice become reckless and then interact with cats more, get eaten, and this parasite can breed. In human <laughs> beings, there is a correlation between motorcycle accident deaths and toxoplasmosis. <laughs> and I have talked to so many drivers at the top of their game, and almost all of them had cats as young kids. And I have a theory that <laughs> you guys lose fear because of toxoplasmosis. Okay. I mean, the... From, it's, a, it's crazy, I know, but I have this theory that because okay. every that driver that, I, yeah, start going through. I'm 30 years old, and yep. the only, the only years, how many years have I lived in a house without a cat? Probably but only it, four years of my entire life has there not been a cat in the house. I think I need to start asking like every guest from now on if they had cats. Like I've I've done it yeah. like anecdotally and like spoke to drivers just over the years and kind of like brought it up in a in a neutral way without explaining why I'm asking if they had cats. But I would say if I've spoken to 100 drivers, like 85 of them had cats when they were kids. Interesting. Like, yeah. Now, a lot of people have cats, but <laughs> <laughs> just go look it up. I know it's so weird. All right. Yeah, yeah, but, okay. But I, I just, I feel like you guys don't have a fear that most people do. Like, I know my fear response. I know when it kicks in, I can I can tell. And it happens in race cars from time to time. Like like even me driving, right? I know I shouldn't be afraid. Like if I'm getting close to the wall and I pull out a drift and I'm like, oh, I, no, I can't do that. You guys don't have that. It doesn't happen. I've, I've watched enough in-car. I've <laughs> no. strapped like heart rate monitors to drivers in situations and your heart rate does not spike the way a oh, normal no. human beings would. It's just no. flat. And every time that you hear about somebody winning, even your own words, like when you've done well, you're in the zone, you're calm, you're quiet. Everything just works. Like it's that flow state and that fear response doesn't come in. So my yeah. thought is you all have brain parasites and that's why you're all so <laughs> damn good at this. I guess. I mean, 
you're not wrong. I tell people all the time, I bet my blood pressure is the same as when I'm sleeping as when I'm driving yeah. my FD car at this point. Yeah. Unless something I, like, unless I get myself into a position, I will occasionally, and I actually chase this feeling now, which is so wild to think about. I was talking to someone about this the other day and they thought I was absolutely crazy. But if I go to an event and I don't have one of those moments where I'm like, oh shit, I might actually die. If mm -hmm. I don't get that feeling for a split second, I feel like I didn't do my job right. Oh, cool. And I and I crave that feeling. As crazy as it sounds, but like that, that like that pucker moment of yeah. like, oh shit, this is almost it. That feeling is like so addicting. I bet. Yeah. I not me. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I get I get I get the rush of it though. Like I understand it in in some regards. Like I don't mind like roller coasters and like I think that is yeah. a much smaller, that's like a gateway drug to what you're asking for. Mm -hmm. Like I I cannot imagine what that's like just to be in that in that car. Because you guys are at a level, at a level of speed, a love level of proximity where like real damage can occur. And I think we are all like knocking on wood here. We're all incredibly lucky that there's been maybe four or five in incidents over the last 20 years that have been moments where you're like, oh, wow. Like, I think Vaughn and Turk's crashes are probably the two worst ones that we've seen in FD. Yeah, yeah. Ma yeah potentially Vonnet, some guys Vonnet before. Vaughn at Texas. Vaughn at Texas and, and Turk, Turk at, Long, at Beach. Long Beach. Yeah. Yeah. I saw, I, I sold the story, I don't know how many times, I saw Turk in Orlando afterwards and like, you could still see it. Like, you could, mm -hmm. he was, you know, a little... Kind oh, of that was a, uh, that was a hit, awesome. dude. That was a hit. Yeah, but yeah, we're. I mean, the safety equipment's there. I don't think anything, honestly, is is going to be too bad. But you guys are at least at a level now where, like, the roll cages are. You've we've seen them bend, not break, mm -hmm. but like we've seen hits where, like, the roll cage took all that impact. Yeah, yeah. So think about this though. This this <laughs> okay. plays into it as far as you talk about getting close to things and hitting things. In my brain. This is my argument. The closer you are to that wall or that car, you're going to hit it with less less of a speed deficit. Mm. So like if I'm less room, there's less room. So if I'm if say I'm in Seattle or Irwindale or whatever and I'm if I'm two car lengths from the wall and I'm going as fast as I can and something breaks or something goes wrong, I have two whole cars to gain speed towards that wall uphill. Mm -hmm. If I'm if I'm six inches from the wall and something goes wrong, it's just it's it's usually a slow roll up into it and you just wipe out the the, the suspension on that side or whatever. Yeah. And same goes with collisions with other cars. If you are close to the car overall. And someone makes a mistake and you bump into each other, that bump is much less drastic versus if someone held back and then now is playing catch up. And then you get in that position where he's gaining momentum and mm. he's losing momentum. And then all of a sudden the collision is way harder because that person was scared to be close. Hey everybody, Jacob here from the Formula Drift podcast. We have an awesome deal for you. So if you head over to shopfd.com and use coupon code podcast23, you're going to save 20% on any merch. So anything you can find on that website, use podcast23 at shopfd.com. Save yourself 20%. Hats, shirts, lanyards, wh whatever. 
just use the code. Save yourself some money. So why not? You know, don't don't stop listening. Wait till the show's done. But then head over, shopfd.com, use podcast 23. We'll see you guys out there. So that's is why this like going, we're not scared to be close. I was going to say, is this going back to your argument as well about like St. Louis in that like if it didn't flow like that, it would probably be a safer track because you're not driving full speed into somebody who oh, just absolutely. slowed down. Yeah, absolutely. That's, absolutely. That, that does make sense though. It's the difference between a one inch punch and somebody like, like cocking back and hitting you. Yeah. Yeah. Like this year at Seattle, I think my first lap in practice, I, I blew the tail light apart. Yeah. And I was like, perfect. That's where I need to be all weekend <laughs> because if I go a little too deep, I'm already in the pocket and it won't mess the car up too much. That was the first yeah. year I had that mentality and that was the best I ever qualified there. So it was good. It's a good point. But yeah, if you just like, if you just drive closer to things, you can't hit them as hard. All right. I mean, yeah. for safety. <laughs> yeah, for safety. That's, that's it. Just for safety. Yep. That's it. <laughs> yeah. The safest place to be as close to the wall as possible. Ah, uh, yeah. That is fair. That's fair. Yeah. Um, all right. I want to I get into your hat. Um, I want to get into your, your okay. title sponsor. I love talking about the business of FD. I know... Mm. Uh, believe it or not, your your company is a public uh, searchable company. Uh, so I can see Travis Reader Motorsports in your business history. I don't know if you knew that. That is available online. Um, cool. There's nothing in there incriminating. <laughs> what I did think was interesting, and I don't know if this is like true, is that a Travis Reader in a very similar location to you also registered Pacific Sound Sleep LLC. So I don't know if you've been selling mattresses mm. on the side. No, um, but that's a good monopoly to have, dude. Yeah, it was an appointment-only mattress store that uh, mm. was located very close to you, also registered by Travis Reader. Wow. I didn't yes. know there was, was... I mean, it's not me, but we've okay. all heard the story sure about were, mattress stores. I that, And it was appointment-only. I'm, I'm not going to say saying. too much because I don't want to be shadow banned over here. I'm not going to say too much. I'm just saying, like, if you wanted to move some money around <laughs> from Travis Reader Motorsports, Pacific Sound Sleep <laughs> LLC seemed like a good idea. Wow. Yeah, definitely not me, but good idea. Okay. No. You act like I make uh, enough money to need to move it. I know, I know. It's tough. I know. It's tough. I mean, you've you've got a you've got a pretty lean program, all things considered, but mm-hmm. um I I think your the business management side you've you've done well in regards that like you're not it doesn't look like you're overspending on anything. You've got a pretty simple rig, simple toe setup, um, mm-hmm. simple pits, but like it's practical. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're not you're not doing anything that seems like you're wasting money. Yeah. And I can't because my, <laughs> like, uh, I mean, just a little backstory. Like I, I built this drifting, like I don't come, n- nothing against people that have like big financial money. support, yeah. you know, like I, I didn't come from that. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of this is kind of, well, actually all of my program is self built between me and friends and family um, but the family helps in, you know, every way that they can, but the, the funding is always sourced. It's, it's like, obviously without the funding, like I can't go racing because I can't fall back on, I yeah. can't fall back on the savings account to fund a year if I have a bad, you know, but yeah. Um, yeah, I definitely, I don't, I don't ever spend, I buy the bare minimum of what I need to be as reliable as possible with the program and as like you said as practical and as consistent as I can be and that's kind of the the goal of it for me to keep the longevity there because I want to keep driving as long as I can so 
the quickest way to get out of driving is to not be able to afford it anymore, obviously. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm trying not to do. But yeah. So but yeah. Can, can I on that on that note then, can I ask how um Nicholas oh, gets yeah, into Nicholas. the program then? Yeah. 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 So Nicholas is a uh video game production company. Right. Um they're down by you uh in LA. It's kind of one of those outside of the box partnerships that um that uh kind of stemmed from me it's I'll, I'll always say this it's about who you know it's not about who you are yeah and i was put in contact um through mutual friends you know um and the the relationship kind of just stemmed from there mm-hmm. um the the owner's also a car guy so he understands he gets racing he loves racing drifting cars all that sort of stuff so it just made sense and it worked out it's un, yeah, it's unfortunate in some regards that like yeah, you're you're 100 right. It is about who you know, who you're friends with, um, the, the business connections that you make, and like it's. I tell this to drivers all the time. It's much harder to say no to a friend than it is to a random person. Mm-hmm. So like when you start having those conversations about sponsorship, if you don't know who that person is, if you're not friends on some level, it's very easy for them to say, "Ah, I'm okay, thanks." Like, no, no, thanks. <laughs> But if you're now in a personal relationship with them and you go, hey, you should sponsor my race program. Like, yeah, yeah, you know what? Yeah, that's okay. I can figure something out, right? As opposed to just a straight no. So mm-hmm. it's not shocking to me that like it's a, a lot of these partnerships come in from a personal thing, like, which is, can be super discouraging to young drivers who are like, I don't know anybody. And I'm like, then start meeting people. Like yeah, I mean the, that's this entire it. industry. This entire industry is networking, right? Oh yeah. Like that's the the point of this is to network and and grow your brand and meet the right people because you yeah. everyone wants to help each other grow in this sport and beyond. Yeah. Um, but it's one of those things where, on the other hand, this sport is not like normal motorsports. No, it's it's very it's very different in the sense that like. We definitely, I feel like, have our own corner of the industry that is very driven off of what our our generation and our demographic is into. So that kind of makes it a little a little more difficult as well. As far as a lot of things being social media based, obviously, and there's you know there's factors that play into that. Just like we talked about, like you can you can be the best driver in the world, but if you don't have some sort of social presence or aren't properly networked, you can fall by the wayside very quickly. Yeah, there's, there, there, it's such a blessing and a curse. Like if you look at the, the, just the stats from FD, like it is, um, you know, I have a marketing background. Like you look at those stats and go, oh, this is the perfect demographic. Like mm-hmm. this is young men between the ages of, you know, realistically 18 to 30 who are at least high school graduates. Uh, most mm-hmm. of them are college graduates into the automotive industry, have some sort of additional income, are into social media, and don't necessarily watch other forms of motorsports, right? Yeah. There's a little bit of dabbling in other places, but the majority of them are just into drifting. So like from a marketing perspective, it's incredible. The problem is the sport is so young and besides a couple of large brands, there hasn't been a massive you know, title Fortune 500 company that's in there. Obviously, we see 
Monster mm-hmm. and Nos that are in there, which are owned by you know Coca-Cola and Pepsi and those other mm-hmm. conglomerates. But you get to see a FedEx or a DHL or a whatever jump mm-hmm. into the sport yet. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's going to be long. And I've said this multiple times that we are one large sponsor away from the entire industry blowing up because what it costs for you to run a program for a year, which I have some ideas, I mean, as to what the cost is, mm-hmm. is less than what it costs to have a six, six inch by 12 inch logo on a NASCAR for one race. Like mm-hmm. my math probably may be similar. a little off, but I bet you it's very it's close. Probably similar to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh it is kind of crazy because yeah, the, as far as the sport goes, our demographic, there's no other motorsports that have nailed down our demographic. It's like no. the untouched, the unicorn of yeah. groups of people to try to, to try to like, um, engage with a, with a certain series, right? Mm-hmm. Which is awesome. I feel like get. I feel like gathering our demographic was the hard part. Mm. And then the next thing that has to happen is I feel like it just needs to grow to the broader audience now. Needs and we need to, we need to capture the we need to capture the all the other audi- the all the other age spectrum that right. we're not hitting now because we have the thing that all those other sports don't have, which is this this age group that's into motorsports. Um, we just need to appeal to the greater audience. I feel like that's that's the point where it'll get bigger. Yeah. And, and that could be a communication thing. I think it, it could also just be like, we're missing a superstar that bridges that gap. Like we have them within our own industries. Like Vaughn definitely bridges gaps to other groups of people. Adam bridges gaps. James bridges gaps. Like, But we've yet to have a, a, a Dale Earnhardt or a Lewis Hamilton or, you know, name your superstar from any, mm-hmm. any racing series, right? Like you could, you could even go to MotoGP or Rally and pick guys from there that brought people in that, that know who those people are, right? Like you, you may not watch MotoGP, but a lot of um, people who are not into MotoGP know who Valentino Rossi is, right? Mm-hmm. Like yep. you understand who that guy is. I think that may be that, that link that we're missing of like the, that, that person. Because NASCAR was never bigger than right after Dale Earnhardt died. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I yeah. feel like he passed away and that sport just like skyrocketed because it became this everybody kind of knew who he was. Then he passes away. So now there's mass interest into it, right as the sport was the most competitive as it has ever been. Mm-hmm. Um so it was like this terrible the, perfect storm. That's the rapper right? conundrum, dude. Yes. Yes. No one listens to your music more than the point of view, you know, something Until happening. You're yeah. 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 That's interesting. I guess music in general, not just rap, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, you could you could argue that like Led Zeppelin was never bigger until after John Bonham died, right? Like, mm-hmm. I'm sure there's other great instances of that, but I was just listening to Zeppelin today, so that's the one that sticks in my head. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Huh. Which is like, yeah, crazy thing to think about, but yeah, you're you're not wrong. Yeah, I don't know. I I, I part of me wants the sport to explode, like I very very much yeah. wanted to, but also part of me is like. I love this little group of people that we have and I almost don't want to share it selfishly. Like there's events that I've been to that are like the small group of people that are incredible and that are now massive. 
And all I hear from these people that's that were in the beginning, like, oh, it was so much better the way it was before. And I'm like, yeah. yeah, but now we get to share this thing with so many other people. And like, we trade, we're trading that. That's the trade-off of like the small intimate group of people. We don't get that anymore. But what we get is knowing that we shared this incredible thing with so many other people. Yeah. I mean, the grass is always greener, right? Always. Yeah. Always greener. So yeah. it's, it's tough. I don't know. I feel like ultimately it's still like, I feel like growing into more of the mainstream has more positives than it has negatives. Yeah. And yeah. us and us core us core family will still be together and still be talking and still be enjoying events together. I, I tell people all the time, it's like every year at FD, it's like having a high school reunion mm. with if you enjoyed your high school time, right? Yeah. It's having a high school reunion eight times a year. It's like being able to see and catch up with all these people that you enjoy spending time with. And you get to do that eight times a year, and that's why we all love it. I, I, yeah, I think it's a very good way of putting it. I know I now very much enjoy my little trip through the pits when I first get there. I don't mm-hmm. know if you do that, but like you just kind of walk around. And, oh, this yeah. person's here. This person's there, and you yeah. kind of putz around and say hi and give high fives and hugs and stuff. And yeah, so, I mean, s- still to this day, dude. Every time I pull into an FD event, I'm driving the rig in, trying to find my spot, like mm-hmm. the the dopamine hit that I get when I'm pulling into an event at the beginning of the weekend is like, it has never changed or never subsided. I've never been bummed to roll into the pits, no matter how unprepared or like whatever I was. I've always like, when I drop the rig and start unloading, I'm stoked no matter what, because I get to see all my people. And that feeling's never gone away in That's 12 good. years. I'm just I feel pulling, like, up to, pulling up to the track in general. I feel like the moment that goes away is when you That's have the question if, yeah, question if you should still be going. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. I, but, yeah. But I also feel that 95% of the drivers feel the same way. And that's why, like, I don't know, that's why we all still continue to come back and keep doing it. Yeah, it's a weird, you like know you're in for either the best or worst time of your life, but you're just happy to get the opportunity to be even there. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yep. Yeah, Because in the long run, when you think about it, like we're so lucky to be one of, you know, 34 drivers that get to be there. So even yeah. if you have, even if in the grand scheme of things, it's hard for me to, it's hard for me to rationalize this when I have like a bad weekend or something. But even if I have eight of the worst events of my life straight, I'm still such a small, small percentage of of person that is lucky enough to be able to even be there and do it. So like, I can't take that for granted. Mm. Do you, do you try and do that every event? Like when do you have that like introspective moment of like, I'm everybody who's here and everybody who's watching at home, you know, everybody, but most of them wishes they were what I'm doing right now. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I try to, I try to think about it as much as possible. Yeah. Um, and I always try to use the term as well. Like it could always be worse. Yeah. Like no matter what happens, like there could all, like something could always be worse about any situation. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, just, just sulk a little bit, do whatever you got to do, you know, like 
I don't feel bad for being mad or being upset at a situation or whatever. But as soon as I can get over that, as soon as I can start moving forward, that's the important part. Because in the end, like in the end, there's fans and people that walk through these pits and we wouldn't be there without them. Mm-hmm. So I'm almost doing a disservice if I take being there for granted. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a solid point because there's a there's literally a lineup of people that are waiting for you to not be there. Like as terrible as that sounds, like mm-hmm. there's only so many slots. There's only so many people that get to do this. Yep. And everybody that's at one of those Pro-Am events, everybody that's in ProSpec, they're all just waiting for an opportunity to be where you are. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of, I assume that's a lot of pressure when you think about it, but I'm I'm guessing you try not to think about that part. <laughs> yeah. In the end, like, everything's going to work out how it's going to work out, so I try not to stress about it too much. I can't, con- I can't stress about what I can't control. Or it's a very be. West Coast mentality. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> As Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you, yeah. You can't, you, you can't let those. I struggle with this. I struggle with yeah. this, but you can't. You can't let the what ifs control the now because that affects your future. I there was like one of those really cheesy phrases at our high school that you know, like I don't know if you, your school had it. But they had like phrases above yeah. doorways and shit. And yeah, one of yeah. them was, "You can't change the winds, but you can adjust your sails." And I'm mm. like. I remember reading that at like 17, like, yeah. Yeah, whatever, man. And like, for some reason right now, it's still here. But yeah, it, yeah. it may yeah. be cheesy, but there's some truth to it. <laughs> there's definitely something to it. Yeah. There's definitely something to it. It's similar to your, um, you know, work to live, don't live to work, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. you got to have these weird little phrases that kind of, you stand by. Yeah. That's been the motto, dude. It's working for you, obviously. I'm sure there's been times where you had to work to live, but... Um. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, obviously. Yeah. But, but yeah. yeah. That's good. I So I want to I get into the electric Camaro. Uh, I've definitely held this off to near the end because, okay. I mean, I feel like I have, I have so many questions. I've heard so many rumors. I've heard things that I think I heard from you years ago that I'd want to, like, clarify. Yeah. Um, I want to start at the beginning. How... How did you get into that scenario? How did you get connected with Napoleon Motorsports? How, how does this conversation even happen? Uh, I'm sure everyone could guess that was a uh, that was a deal that was teed up by Chelsea. Okay. So, and Chelsea passed it off and was like, yeah, I'm cool. Like, let me just... So, so Napoleon Motorsports um, is uh, also oh, turnkey industries out of Houston. Um, Joe Napoleon does he used to do Trans Am some like TA2 racing and does some off-road stuff and other things too and um, he's good friends with Ron Bergenholtz and Nitto. oh from Nitto yeah and um, at the time they were trying to do something unique and different and venture into a uh, a different motorsport you know just just do something cool and unique and uh they cooked up this idea for an electric drift car and Ron was heavily involved. And Joe obviously um, was kind of the one to help facilitate the idea and they needed a driver. And um, uh, Ron had contacted some of his, you know, friends in the industry and Chelsea used to drive for Ron a long time ago. If you didn't know that. Yeah. Um, 
So he had asked Chelsea and Chelsea had kind of put me in the position to do kind of an interview process with them. They had some different drivers that they were looking at and I essentially kind of won the lottery for the spot. Um, and at the time I was planning on running pro two again because that was at the end of 2018. So I was fully prepped to run pro two because I couldn't afford to run a pro year. Um, and I just run the, won the pro two championship. So they, uh, contacted me and they're like, Hey, here's the deal. We want to try this thing. We have no idea if it's going to work or not. We have no clue, but this is what we're trying to do. We'll bring your car, your S13, uh, S13 along with us in the rig so we can drive that car as a backup. The goal is to try to premiere this Camaro. If we can't run it for that event, then we pull your car out of the trailer and we continue and we will make sure that we get you through all eight rounds. So it's basically, if if it wasn't for that program, I wouldn't be here. Mm. Because that was my in to pro. Right. So, and it was definitely a very interesting year. And I'm super grateful for everything I learned and the people I met through that program because um, there was, it was definitely not short of any struggles by any means. Like it was in, in all aspects of running a team and like you said, learning new crew and new people a part of the team and getting everyone to mesh together. And uh, it was just, it was, it was a big learning curve. It was a lot of fun. There was a lot of um, roadblocks. Um, but in the end, like that, that program was just sick in a sense that like it was something different and there was no pressure necessarily to win because we were just trying something that was so out of the ordinary that we were just, we were just stoked to, we were just stoked to be there and be the people to try it. Right. Mm-hmm. I, so Long Beach, I was, I, I'm of the understanding that Long Beach Grand Prix itself was like, Hey, we don't have the ability to put out a potential fire for this, mm-hmm. or there was some sort of insurance or permitting or something to do with specifically electric vehicle racing. And that's why it didn't debut there. Yeah. So, and I, I didn't necessarily get all of the, all of the details either on that situation. Um, Joe and Ron handled that entire thing um, with the help of Kevin and Andy going to bat to try to, you know, make it work. But um, from what I understand, uh, Ron and Joe put together the best presentation they could and be as prepared as they could um, as far as like having a full on pamphlet of like safety precautions and how you do this, how you do that, how you combat this, basically like a training booklet for the guys at the track. But yeah, the basically, uh, is it Cal Cal club? Is it, yeah, is it Cal Cal club or the guys that run? So those guys basically, from what I understand, they didn't feel confident in in the training to be able to put out uh, a, like a lithium fire yeah. know, race car for that weekend, especially it being in the... Like, I think it had to do with being on track with internal combustion cars and then also being in such a confined space. Like, if, if say, something catastrophic happened and, say, I went into the wall at the, at the judge's wall, yeah, and the thing caught fire, and there's ten thousand people in the grandstands right there. 
yeah. then say if they if they can't confidently put that car out, that car could just say it just burns the entire grandstands down and then yeah. the entire weekend's ruined. Or so like I totally yeah. understand. I totally understand where they were coming from, although it was a bummer I couldn't drive the car. Um, I get it. And yeah. that's that's really all the information that I got out of the situation. Like I said, in the end, I was stoked because I pulled Mass 13 out of the trailer and went and ran Long Beach for the first time. So right. there's there's a light at the end of the tunnel, I guess. You did drive it in Atlanta. Um, mm-hmm. I was there, thankfully. I got to, I mean, that is like one of my little feather in the cap of like, I got to be there when the first electric drift car hit the track. Um, Wild, the way it sounded. Um, The fact that all you heard were... Or didn't sound. What you heard was tires and rocks hitting the chassis. Like Mm -hmm. that, you just, that was it. Um, What what was it like driving? Like, can you give me like an overarching, here's everything that was really different, here are the things that really worked, and here are the things that like, if you're going to try this again, you definitely need to fix. I, I actually love talking about this because in in the last few years with my with my growing vehicle setup knowledge and how drift cars work, yeah, I have I still think about this to this day of how I would have set this car up if say budget wasn't an option. Right. And think about it as I kind of compared it to obviously an RC car. Just a right. very large RC car, no gears. This it had Tesla, a Tesla transaxle in the back. Mm-hmm. Battery pack was in the engine bay, and gas and brake pedal only. So no clutch, no clutch. Automatic RC car, just a big one. And think of it as like when I, if I put my foot to the floor at any point, if I was not moving, the the tires would spin to 140 miles an hour, no matter what. Which is what happened in Orlando, right? When you were warming it up. Yeah, do you remember that clip where I couldn't see? Yeah, you would, I posted you a video on, and I'm like, I'm like, holy tires shit, I can't shot. see anything. Yeah. yeah, I saw that clip. It's hilarious to me because yeah, I I did everything I possibly could to just barely get the tires to spin, mm-hmm. but we we Ron actually designed this this bracket to change the resolution of the pedal to slowly ramp the throttle in because a Tesla pedal only has like an inch of travel. Okay. And that's all the resolution you get. So we got, he made a bracket and basically slowed the ramp rate of the throttle. Okay. So that I could better modulate. So we had four inches of travel instead of an inch. And even with that four inches of travel and the amount of torque it makes so quickly and how the motor was mapped through the computer, I'm like barely tiptoeing like, Think back to that SpongeBob episode where he's like, you know, Mrs. Pop is like, floor it. He's yeah. like, like, don't floor it. And he's like, floor it. And his his big toe comes out, you know. That's me trying to like maintain wheel speed and I can't. And it's it's sending the tires to 140 miles an hour. And yeah, just smoke showed and yeah. I couldn't breathe <laughs> or <laughs> see anything. Because yeah. they were they were essentially cooked before you even got to the line like for my yeah. once again this is like yeah. you know x amount of years ago where i'm like i i remember you kind of coming off me like yeah i i killed these in the burnout yeah. pit because i just floored it once yeah i unintentionally like knocked 25 percent of the tire off in the burnout box wild when usually we just try to scuff them and get some heat in them and we might yeah. lose five percent of the tire in the burnout box yeah it was like very hard to control you the wheel speed. need to like put a map of like you hit a button and this is your burnout procedure where like at full it's only 
60 miles an hour yep. instead of all of yep. it. Yep. And if we had more more time to develop um, or if the program continued mm-hmm. into the next year, I'm confident that we would have fixed probably like at least half or more than half of the bugs that we would have had. We could have fixed easily like a timely manner. We just didn't really have a lot of the a lot of the time to be tweaking with it, I guess. Right. But but yeah, Sorry, so going back to yeah, set up other things you would change. Yeah, the cool thing about it, it was just like um, I guess we'll go into the so the pauses of the th- of the thing was obviously like there was no amount of grip you could put in the car that it wouldn't spin the tires through. Right. right? So which ended up being a big downfall for us because we we kept trying to put speed in the car. Uh, we would we would blow main fuses because <laughs> okay, so think about an electric motor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> as soon as you load, as soon as you load an electric motor, the the force against it, all that motor does is like I'm just going to draw more amperage and do the same thing I always do. Right. It's just going to demand more to do this, to give the same outcome, right? Mm-hmm. So the more grip we put in the car, the more it demanded of the battery pack. Okay, the more amps it would pull. The more amps it would pull. We got to the point where it would pull, it wasn't uncommon to pull 14, 1500 amps. <laughs> so we couldn't, like, we started with, we would put fuses in, we'd be like, oh, 150 amp fuse. Which in my mind, I'm like, 150 amps? Like, will smoke you, yeah. right? Like, that's no joke. Yeah. So it's like 150 amps, okay, blew that one. 250, oh, immediately blew that one. 300, oh, immediately blew that one. We're like, <sighs> put a 500 amp brick in it. Well, blew that one. Okay, take the fuse out. Put the wire in there. Let's see what it does. And yeah. then we're like, okay, 1400 amps sometimes when this thing's like really pissed off. Oh my but it would, God. Just, it would just drive through it. And I'm like, all right, is this... Is this safe? Is yeah. this really safe? You know? <laughs> and they're like, well, technically, if you just don't get out of the car and we make sure that certain things are unplugged, like, yeah, you're safe. And I'm like, as long as you guys are semi confident. Yeah. I'm here. I'm for okay it. with it. You know? Yeah. I have the I have the cat thing. So <laughs> I'm like, as long as you guys are semi confident, uh, I'll drive it. I'm driving the car. Yeah. <laughs> but it ended up the the down the biggest downfall ended up being that the car would not go two laps once we put enough grip in the car to oh. maintain the right pace because it would it would pull like the ceiling out of the battery like the battery didn't have enough amp hour or however you want to call like it discharge, technical yeah. term the the discharge rate was very high but the amp hour was not high enough I don't think to let the car like I couldn't be wide open and make the car work for two whole laps without it falling down on power halfway through right. the second lap. Cause they don't, they don't like <clears throat> when you start to run low, it just starts dropping torque and, and it just becomes yep. useless. Right. So it's yep. almost and, like running into fuel. And when you hyper discharge a lipo battery and go beyond it's beyond where it's supposed to be discharged. Like it's floor. Yeah. It's dangerous. Because that's where they get really hot and then they don't come back or they swell. Uh, um, there's a few times we had to replace cells in the battery packs. There was 128 cells in the pack, I believe. And we had a BMS. So we could tell 
we, we could see temperature of every single cell in the pack and mm-hmm. voltage of every battery. Similar so, to how you would like, you're monitoring and charging drone batteries, right? Exactly. Like if, same if, thing. If, if you come from that world. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Same thing. So we would, we would make hits in, in testing and we'd be like, ooh, like cells 10 through 25 are hot. Mm-hmm. Like they're pissed off. And there was times where we'd be like, okay, that cell's actually probably dead. And we pulled out of the pack and it was pretty swollen. Ah. So we'd have to like replace cells because we would overload them or they would get too low for whatever reason. Or we'd run the car too hard. Hmm. And, you know, that was another thing that just, it just needed more time and a little more budget to develop. And it was just... Yeah. Battery technology now may be at a point where this could be, we could be closer to trying this again, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. With, with a very substantial financial commitment. Right. What, we what explored, about the, we explored oh, avenues, we explored avenues on ways to fix a lot of our problems and it, it came with a, with a pretty penny attached. Yeah. So what about clutch pedal? Like you couldn't really clutch kick. You would have to just like throttle kick, like to do you the same. You just didn't need it. Cause as soon as you like the thing would make, I mean, I'm just going to throw random numbers out there of what I would assume, but I'm sure that thing, like it would make peak torque at like 18 RPM. Right. And the motor would rev to 14 and a half thousand or whatever. Okay. So like there's no, there's zero lag. It didn't have a torque curve. It had a torque square. Like if you put yeah, that thing on the dyno, it was, it was this until, yeah. until it stopped spinning. So huh. like at no point did I ever have to or did I ever feel like I needed to kick the clutch to get the tires loose? Because all I did was just tip in and get a the wheel more. speed wheel speed goes. I I'd heard a rumor that they had like put a clutch in it, a fake clutch pedal, just to like give you that feeling. Was that true? We had the, we had a hanger, like we had a pedal okay. in there hanging because it had a like a standard pedal box in it. Yeah, and we had a, a pedal there, but it was just a dead pedal, like bled it ah. out, put fluid in it, plugged it, and it was just more of like a footrest essentially. Okay. We thought about doing a switch to like interrupt yeah. the wheel speed to where like I could be wide open through a corner and I could just like shut the motor off with my foot to See, get the car to float. That's, that would make sense to me. And I, I figured yeah. you'd have to do it with the e-brake as well, right? So that was the only reason why we, that was one of the other main reasons why we wanted to do the interrupt is just in case so that I could use the clutch pedal how I'm how I'm used to in a drift mm-hmm. car, and it would it would save damage in the long run if I messed up because uh, the way it was set up now or the way it set up is still set up is um, I would have to lift off the gas to pull the handbrake and then let the handbrake go and get back on the throttle. But if I was a half second too early or too late one way or another. If I'm holding the handbrake and I roll into the gas, like goodbye differential axle shafts, anything attached is just like if the brakes hold, it's going to break everything. It's just going to, whatever the weakest link is, is going to tear apart. Yep. Yeah, yeah. immediately. Which so you the, hope is brake pads, but may not. Yeah, you never know. So mm. that would, the clutch interrupt would have been good for that. Not necessarily the driving aspect, but it would have been good for a fail safe. Um, but I got pretty good at, like just I two foot drove the car, left foot on the brake pedal, right foot on the gas. Okay. And that's all it was. Like I only slowed down with the left foot and 
importantly, obviously got on the gas with the right foot. And anytime I was pulling the handbrake, I would just lift off the gas and do this and then put it back down and get back on the throttle. But um, that's how I drove the car. Like you would road racing. Like my, my feet were always hovering just over the two pedals and they never moved. Wow, that's wild. But I, other than that, yeah. the, the car actually drove really good, believe yeah. it or not. Like I, for a yeah. demo car or like a grid life car or something, if if you could figure out a way to like hot swap the packs, that car would be super, super fun. It's like a big tray that slides out and then another one slides mm-hmm. in or something. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Because it, it drove, steered, like drifted really, really well. I ended up driving it... Um, uh, there was an EV fest at Sonoma a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. and the car was the car was at a at a shop getting some electronics tweaks to it, and they they gave it to a company for some R and D. Uh, and um, Joe hit me up and was like, "Hey, we want to do a demo at this EV fest at Sonoma. You want to come out and drive the car?" And I'm like, "Oh yeah, sure." So I went out and I drove a demo with it, and I jumped in it, and I'm like, "Oh man, it's been like three or four years." And they're like, "Yep, all we've done." It's charged the battery. We have not touched the car since it left Irwindale in 2019. Oh, it's got like, cool. But think about it. There's no maintenance. Yeah. There's no oil to be changed. Yeah. There's no, there's no hoses or lines to deteriorate. There's no like, there's no nothing. Hmm. It's put tires. It's, it's an RC car. It's put tires on it and charged the battery. So it, it rolled out of the trailer exactly how it drove in 2019 with zero tweaks. It's cool. I ripped around all weekend. I assume it's not operating anymore just due to the cost of, of operating it. Um, so I actually don't know where the car is now. Last I heard it was on its way back to Houston, but it hadn't been at the shop. And I don't think it's been back to Houston since 2019 at Irwindale. It's stayed in LA. Hmm. So, I mean, it might be back to the shop now. But would you would I you know, go back and do it again? Like no, no. Like if they're like, yeah, hey, we're gonna open this up again. Come on back, come run FD again. I mean, why not? I don't know. You tell it's, me. It's it's good. <laughs> no, the way I look at it is like in FD, I I've done almost everything that I've wanted to do in FD already, minus like win a championship. Minus winning a championship, I've won an event. I've finished yeah. top ten. I got rook of the year anytime it was possible pro two and pro so like i have good accolades and like and then after the s13 or after um the camaro stuff stopped Mm -hmm. i built i I hit the easy button and i built i built an e46 and i used the same engine package before and i built i built a car that i it was only up to me to drive it and with the setup i built it was the smartest and most cost-effective thing for me to do to mm-hmm. almost guarantee success as long as I just did my job. Right. And I and I did it. So like I proved that I can drive, like I can wheel the shit out of this car. Right. Proven that I can do that. I've proven that I'm not a slouch. I've proven that I deserve to be there. And yep. I have some stuff to show for it, which is awesome. So at this point I'm like, I'm like, oh I've I feel like now that I accomplished that, I could do something different again. Because I feel like what my program lacks is like the content creation and social media side of it because I run the other side. Yeah. So now I'm to the point where I'm like, 
if I had the opportunity to do something crazy again, I would 150% capitalize on it. Even if it didn't net good results, I proved that I can drive. Now I can, now I feel like I, I could do something crazy and have a lot of fun with it and it would just benefit my brand. And, and like this, see, this is always like the argument I've seen of like obscure drift cars where mm-hmm. you're trading track, performance. Track they don't do good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, historically. Right? You, you trade performance for popularity. Like, mm-hmm. um, if you look, like, take take Federico out of the Ferrari, he is a, an absolute destroyer. Like, go look oh, at his track sure. record. The dude is, dude is like top tier. And you put him in a car that is just insanely difficult to drive. It does not yeah. want to rotate correctly. It's basically a square setup. It's as long as it is wide, if not maybe mm-hmm. wider. It has this obscure power band and parts that no one can find. Yeah. And just just be happy that you're out on track or you make it at a top 32 every once in a while. But he yeah. is one of the most popular guys out there, right? I mm-hmm. mean, not this year, obviously, but like, you know, D- Darren Kelly, another thing, like guy that struggled with a car, uh, yeah. but got a shitload of attention. And then you get mm-hmm. other guys, you know, I mean, maybe like yourself where mid-pack driver, no offense, uh, still, I can't do any of this. But like mid-pack driver in a in an easy button car that doesn't get nearly the attention of a guy who's in an obscure car that doesn't do nearly as well or does, maybe mm-hmm. doesn't have rookie of the year and all that stuff. Like yeah. that's the trade-off. Is is it yeah. performance or or popularity? That's the dude, that's the struggle. That's yeah. the 100% the struggle with me being running the team that I run and me being everything. Mm. You know what I mean? Like if I focused all of like it's like, what do I want? If I focus all of my energy, I could be a jack of all trades, but the master of, master none, of none is the yeah. big kicker because I could say I focused all my energy on content creation. Yeah. If 100% I went that side and I let the I let the consistency of the program fault but grew put all of my energy into growing my socials and YouTube and this and that and the other and all that, right? and put all my eggs in that basket, what's more important to me? And what's more important to the industry? And what's more important in the long run? That's like that's the thing that I struggle with the most yeah. is trying to find that balance. And me being me, I've always prioritized making sure that every time I show up to the track, the car runs and runs to the end of the weekend. And it runs for me to be able to drive and I can drive my best and that's what I've always prioritized so now I'm like I think it's like it's time to change direction start like trying to prioritize some other things I would I would love to see more content out of you somebody like you and I've gotten to hang out a few times now this year and like I, I think we get along pretty well and we've had some like super fun talks and I wish the world got to see more of that. And like, obviously this, yeah. doing this is going to help with that. But yeah, I agree. I think personally, you, it, once again, coming from the marketing background, that is what needs to be the focus because mm-hmm. there are drivers on grid right around. now who are, who are struggling. They're, they're, I, I don't want to name names. You can pick out whoever you want because there's a few of them right now that are struggling with their program, even just getting out on track, but do a great job on social media, have really good budgets because they've done well on social media and the performance maybe isn't there. And then you have guys that don't do well on social media, have incredible performance, but don't 
often get the budget. And then you get mm-hmm. the guys who are the perfect blend that that get both, right? Like Osmo's the ultimate where he drives more or less an obscure kind of car. Like it was obscure mm-hmm. when it came out. Obviously the Corolla has yeah. great social media content. Maybe not a ton. Like he doesn't do vlogs that I'm aware of. The quality but, is there though. But the quality is there. But that also mm-hmm. comes from funding. Like he is able to pay yeah. for very high quality media yeah. constantly factory, because of the factory funding. backed, big team. And, and this is like the trade-off. And th- I mean, there's, there are media guys and girls on the grid right now that do incredible work that are not expensive, but it's also not free, right? Like to mm-hmm. create a vlog is expensive. It is, it, is not, it is not a free thing because it's either your time, which you could value at 180, 200 bucks an hour if you're run- where you could be wrenching in a garage. Mm-hmm. You know, and if you don't Which know I how don't to like edit, to do much anymore either. <laughs> yeah, but like you would have to edit that. Like that's that's a day's yeah. worth of editing if you don't know what you're doing. So like that's easily two thousand dollars to make one vlog that you hope hits, right? Yep. Yeah, and it's more, it's even more the time thing because when I built the E46, I had so many people ask me why I didn't do like a YouTube series on the build. Yeah, and I told them because if I did that, I wouldn't have been driving it till the following year. Takes twice as long to film takes it. Takes as twice long. as long. Yeah, yeah, and I would have had, I would have had to devote countless hours to because I don't, I don't have the budget to that. So I would be setting a tripod, filming, editing, coming up with a with a content plan and thumbnails. All of, yeah. yeah, all that kind of stuff. And if I was doing that, yeah, I, I wouldn't have even been able to drive FD that year because I yeah. just, I wouldn't have the time to like build the car and get there. Yeah. And I still almost didn't get there. The first yeah. year I did the 46, it was close. Yeah, it was like, a rough year. That was, it was COVID year, I think. Yep. Start of COVID year. And um, it was, it was starting at Atlanta. And it was where like you couldn't get any parts and all this and it was taking forever. And I went, I had so many issues with the car in the, in the coming weeks up to Atlanta to the point where I was driving overnight to Texas to get an engine the week before Atlanta and then leaving Texas, driving overnight to Atlanta to get to the dyno. And then I rolled into Texas and the first time I ever did a burnout in the car was in the burnout box at Atlanta. Oh, so the Jesus. first time I drifted the car was running down the hill at Atlanta, 105 miles an hour. Breaking the number one rule, don't come to FD to test. But yep. <laughs> it worked out. Yeah, it worked out. We won a battle. Yeah. Yeah, so it was cool. Yeah. But Jesus. yeah, it was like, yeah, if I would have if I would have documented the car and done the the social aspect of it, it would have I would have never made it that year. I think you just you got this is the advice I give to like every drifter is find a kid that is near you that will work for sandwiches or like minimal amount of pay. And just like, yeah. you're going to follow me around and you're going to document all of it. And I'll bring you one. to everything. Send me anybody out there listening. Yeah. Email, uh, emails on my Instagram. Yeah. Send me an email. <laughs> Which is, it's Yahoo. How, like, how are you older than me in email <laughs> terms? Like, no, actually the, the business email is on, uh, is okay. on the, well, I don't want to blow up your you, real email then. You got my email from 2007. I I still have my like high school email as well. So this was my first the email I sent you, the first email I ever had. 
Growing Mine up, my, is, my mom worked in IT and was like big into computers when I was a kid. So as soon as like she made me an email right away. Mine was only the goalie. <laughs> I yeah. still have it. I use it for spam account stuff. I played, I still play hockey uh, as a goaltender. So like it was only the goalie, man. Olaf Kozak. Yeah. 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 Terrible. I know. It's pretty funny. <sighs> but the number in that email, that number was there long before I ever had a number in racing. That's cool. So... That's that cool. email actually ended up working out to make sense in the long run. I figured it came, I figured you that came after. So that's that's actually really neat. Yeah. It had been there for the last that's 25 cool. years. But yeah, I, I can I can I can put your email down in there if you want resumes. But yeah, I think I, honestly it should be somebody that's like super local to you. So they can oh, just come to the shop and yeah. you know, if you got to drive somewhere, you're getting in the rig and you're you're driving to the event, like. That's yeah, what, that's yeah. I just say that because that's how I got my start. Like, I I literally, yeah, I rode with Riley Sexsmith um, for four events and documented everything. And just like I still have all the footage. I've like yeah. every. I I bet you I have probably a hundred gigs of just you driving in that uh, twenty eighteen and twenty nineteen. Oh like, really? If you want it, yeah, it, it's sitting on my server. It's right over there, dude. Yeah, um, send it, that'd be cool to see. Yeah, I I. Maybe even us chatting. I don't know. Um, yeah. But yeah, I've I've never deleted any video I've ever taken. I, I'm a weird digital hoarder. So. Yeah, if you, dude, if you if you get bored, and want to send that stuff over? I'd love to look through it. I love the old throwback footage that I've never seen. Yeah, yeah, I get, I, cool. It's it's on here. I know I have the clip of the Camaro driving for the first time too. If you want that, got it. Yeah, yeah, because like, be cool. It's so weird. You're like, yeah, I'd, love to, like I'd love to send that to Joe and uh, Joe and Ron. I'm sure would love to have that too. Yeah, I'll see if I I. I, I other than editing this, I probably don't have too much on the go tonight. So. <laughs> right. But. You probably have video of me pitting my like Pro 2 car out from under the RV that I drove to the track with my grandparents. Could, yeah, maybe. Mm -hmm. Huh. Yeah. I'll, have to, I'll, I'll do some digging for it. I'll see what's in there. Yeah, sick. That's cool. Cool. Well, dude, um, I, I, yeah, we, I think we've covered, I have so many things that like I'm going to have to do for another one that maybe I'll mention to you after. I've got some like funny questions and old clips that we dug up, but uh, this was good. This is like the most okay. like weirdly in-depth one I've done so far where we really didn't talk about any of the talking points I had lined up, but it was good. It's really good. So <laughs> what, what else did you have lined up, dude? I got all uh, You shooting Lego movies in the driveway with Ryan Budnick as a kid. What? We dug it up. I guess you had somebody on your Facebook named Ryan Budnick that you were friends with as a kid. Yeah, you guys used dude, to like I, shoot Lego movies in your in the driveway. Dude, you're you're like that dude uh, Nardwar <laughs> that goes around. Yeah, that's crazy. I haven't heard that name in so long. Yeah, there you go. That's nuts. I haven't talked to him since like fourth grade. Well, probably I mean, this is your time fourth, to like hit him grade. up and shoot some more Lego movies. Um, dude, I wouldn't even know where to start. That's wild. Yeah, uh, I think that was like the deep, <laughs> the deepest cut one for you. Other than that, I want you to bring back the Fig Newton logo on your windshield. That that definitely Ooh, needs to happen. Yeah, that was good. You know who printed that for me? No, Lauren. Really? Yeah, Halson. He lives. He lives close to me. He's in Portland area. And That's yeah. Also, we, a dude that I want to like sit down and pick his brain because he's gotten to do some cool shit. Oh yeah, yeah. We used to. Um, we used to go down to, uh, you know, down to Mexico. So you would yeah, call, call out and go drifting all the time, um, like industrial district in uh, in Portland. And as like 
we just had this like random idea. We showed up to the lot and I'm like, dude, let's put a Fig Newton sticker on my windshield. And he's like, I just got a vinyl cutter. Let's go do it. <laughs> Roll those house, print one out real quick. Put it on the window. Yeah. This is dangerous, but I sure yeah. do love Fig Newtons. Yeah. When was that? 2012? <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Lauren printed that thing for me. It's hilarious. I think you got to do a throwback, even just for the pits. Just get like a like one of those like cling graphics that don't actually stick on, and just yeah. put it on your windshield. Yeah, just the it's whole game. thing. I don't look out the window any in the windshield anyways. You see the filter yeah. out the hood. It's looking left and right, man. If yeah. you're doing your job right, you should never be looking forward. Exactly. You don't need the windshield. Yeah, yeah exactly. We're dr- we're drifting here. Sick. Well, I'm glad we got to do this after rescheduling a few times. That's all good. Yeah. I understand how busy you are, and I, yeah. Not that I'm any better, so. <laughs> yeah. Well, I appreciate you dealing with my uh, hectic schedule. That's all good, man. It's all good. I'll see you in like a week and a bit for Utah. I'm pretty pumped. I will yeah. figure out some mic rigging so we can do this. Um, and I'll see if they'll allow me to like get like a full-size camera in the car. Maybe we'll oh, try yeah. and do some questions. Yeah. That'd be kind no, of No, definitely. I'm, I'm all for it, dude. All right. All right. It's yeah. Good, good content. Yeah. Let's, People would love uh, to see even that. Just, even just like a one-off or FD zone, like, Social media or something, I think it would be funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, I got I to think of a good question then. I'm game, some. dude. I'll, I'll answer it while I'm driving. Sick. All right. Cool. Well, thanks again. Um, thank you again for everybody listening and or watching at home. I appreciate it. The, the, this has just been growing since episode one, which is so sweet. Um, if you are near Travis and you want a job as a videographer and you're happy to work for sandwiches, uh, that, there, there's an opening. Um, and if you really want the job, you'll find his email and email him. And if you, that's honestly, I, that's how I am with like resume stuff. It's like, if you really want the job, like you have to go through some work just to apply. Cause like, if you can't read those instructions or do it properly, I don't, I don't want you anyways. (laughs) So yeah, uh, sick. Cool. Uh, anything on your end or all good? No, I'm, I'm good. Thanks for watching dudes. And we'll see everyone in Utah. See everybody in Utah. Oh, no, boy! Whoa! 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 Whoa!